0: Uh, uh, Anyway, uh, my name's Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. I am a Dolphins fan. If those of you that aren't maybe new new to the church, Uh, Chris is an Eagles fan, as well as many of you are. Um, Anyway, uh, Rod and Lori Crable have been in town. They're missionaries in Africa, Uh, they're missionaries that we support as a church. And they've been in town on, I guess it's technically furlough. Is that the the technical term for which you guys have been kind of here for an extended stay? And they've been in and out. You've probably interacted with them over the last couple months. I think you've been here a few times, actually. So before they head home, I thought it'd be great if you guys, some of you don't know them. Some of you do know them. It'd be great to get to know them a little bit so you can pray for them uh, as, as they uh, minister there in Africa. So... I thought the first question, uh, if you guys could just kind of tell us who you are, and I think we're going to have a picture up on the screen that's going to come up with your family, so kind of who you are, uh, introduce yourself, kind of where you live, what you do, uh, those kind of things.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be here again, and yes, that's our family. Um, you can see me there with my four daughters. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> So, I have three daughters. Um, Two are out of high school already. Um, Alana, our oldest, uh, she's at John Brown University in Arkansas, her second year. Autumn, in the pink there, Uh, just finished high school and is in a a gap year up in Wisconsin. And then our third daughter, Anissa, is here with us today. And this is my wife, Lori. (laughs) So, yes, we've been serving in uh, Africa uh, we've been overseas for about 15 years. Um, we're actually both missionary kids. Uh, Lori was born in the Congo in Africa, and I was born in Tanzania. Um, we met at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. The Lord led us there. And uh, to prepare, God had laid a, a, a burden on our heart for the unreached, and we knew that we needed some Bible training, and the Lord led us to, to attend uh, Moody. Um, after Moody, uh, we looked at different mission organizations, and we selected Africa Inland Mission. Uh, it's a mission organization that's been started in the late 1800s, like 1890, I believe, is when it started. But its burden is for the unreached people groups in Africa. Uh, there's over 900 unreached people groups still in Africa, not just individuals, but whole populations, whole entities. Uh, that do not know Jesus or have access to the gospel. So this is an organization that we've partnered with, we've joined with, and uh, we're excited to continue working with. So what have we been doing for the past 15 years? Lori's going to tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah, we basically have done two split assignments. The first one was in an island country in Africa and they were Muslims, and it was we couldn't go in as missionaries. We went in as volunteers, and Rod worked at the government hospital. Um, but that was our experience working with an unreached people group. And in the last seven years, we've been in South Africa uh, working in the regional office that helps supervise, lead, train, provide member care um, for missionaries all around the southern part of Africa, so all the seven countries in the south of Africa there. Yeah, so a lot of working with people and being real and serving God and just obeying God.
0: Awesome. Um, one of the, is we put the slide up here, uh, you know, this, it captures, you know, the, the gray, the, the unreached areas of Africa where you guys are really focused on. And, um, and one of the questions I'd have for you is, as I sat with you, even while well, you've been home here, just my heart. I love the heart to reach the unreached, people who do not have the gospel in their language and available to them. And um, could you comment maybe on kind of some of the joys and the, maybe the learnings that you've had in trying to walk with people that are just have never heard the message of Jesus? Can um, you comment on the, kind of the joys, the learnings, and maybe the challenges of that.
2: Uh, Well, when you go to Unreached People Group, it's all about learning, all about learning. You go in basically as babies, toddlers. You don't know the language. You don't know the culture. You don't know anything. You're not in your comfort zone, and all you do is learn, and God humbles you and brings you to your knees, and you're just totally dependent on him. Um, Some of the joys was just serving as a family. Um, People could come in our home and just see, Rod helping me with the kids, helping with the dishes. And that's not normal in a lot of these cultures. And so really him being a servant leader. Our kids even just at school being able to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. This is what this means. And every day being asked, what in the world are you doing here? And being able to say, we're here because we want you to know about God's love. Mm -hmm. And just every day, just in normal life, just sharing him and just thinking that one day, There will be someone from every tribe and nation in heaven, and and God's not going to come back until that happens. And so thinking, one day this person sitting next to me will be in heaven with me, and I'm going to be praising God with him. Mm. But alongside of that is a lot of challenges, a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, a lot of discouragement. Um, To see, to know people are dying. You, You meet people, you talk with people the next day, they may not be there, and that they're dying without God. Sure. Sure. And just the challenges of just um, not knowing language, struggling. Like when we went to the island country, they had to teach me how to cut onions properly because I didn't know how to do it properly. So just even silly things like that. And our daughter, youngest daughter, being sick with malaria in the hospital several times. And life is full of challenges. But when you do it um, for God's kingdom and you're on your knees and you're dependent on him, you can, you have to fully trust him. That's all you can do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, could you guys comment a little bit? I know, Rod. I think, mean, trying as I was preparing for this, I was thinking back when we first met. Uh, we had met here on a Sunday morning, and you had heard a message. And as you were leaving, I was talking. I forget what we were talking about, but I was talking about reaching people that are far from God in our own community. And you made a passing comment to me about some of the similarities. I know, very different. Um, You know, in some of those regions, you fear for your life. Um, There's that very real reality of it's illegal even to talk about Jesus in some of those regions. Uh, So get very different. But yet you had mentioned to me just in passing some of the similarities that you have seen reaching the unreached in Africa versus uh, compared to walking here in America, reaching people far from God. Could you comment on some of that?
1: Yeah, people are people. Um, they have families, they have mothers and fathers, they have children, they have community, and they have hopes and dreams and aspirations. They might go about them differently. Um, cultures in Africa, typically uh, what might be different is they collectively want to increase the, the, the benefit for everyone. So they, they want the community to grow and to develop. Where in the, in the West, here in the States, we applaud and celebrate if one individual does well, gets first place, or gets high scores, or earns a degree. That's what we applaud. Um, but in African context, it's different. Um, family is, is collective. Um, they, they want the whole area. How does that play out um, in an unreached setting, unreached people group setting versus the unsaved, say, here in America? Well, that's a paradox that I love to embrace. And that's why I wore two different <laughs> shoes. <laughs>
0: I just noticed that. I don't even pick.
1: <laughs> so this shoe would represent these are the approach to um, Christian life, the church in America, say a local church. Now I would wear this on a Sunday and I would interact with other believers, but during the week I will also come in contact if I lived here in America or other christianized uh, cultures with unsaved people and there's a tension there what do i do with that likewise if i live in africa and i'm working amongst an unreached people group i also come in contact with them and ask but the the trick comes is if a local church is only seeking to do local outreach amongst the unsaved their walk or their gate Will look like this it'll be unbalanced but if a local church is only reaching to the unreached far away say africa their walk or their stride will look like this it's also off balance yeah. but it's only when a local church say bethany embraces both the local outreach to the unsaved the hurting the needy as well as the out as well as missions to the unreached people groups. That's where you get the balance between the two for the local church. And I I think that's a great um, example where you can embrace that. There's a verse that has reminded me often about the unreached um, from Romans 10. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then it asked the question, but how can they call on the name of the Lord if they don't believe? And how can they believe if they haven't heard? And how can they hear if they aren't told? And how can they be told if they don't go? And how can they go if they're not sent? How beautiful, absolutely beautiful are the feet of those who bring that good news. The good news of the gospel locally and the good news of the gospel in mission amongst the unreached. So my question to Bethany as a church, my challenge, what do your feet look like?
0: (laughs) I wear flip-flops a lot, though. I will... Uh, thank you for that. I uh, really appreciate that. I love your heart. I absolutely love your heart. And I pray for you guys often um, as, uh, again, as you're walking here in Africa. One of the things I, you know, I told you I was going to do this. Uh, to, I love bringing, when missionaries are here, love them when we can dovetail into what we're talking about in the morning. And I think we can do that here because I want to, uh, we're talking this morning about, we're in the Ten Commandments, talking this morning is the Fifth Commandment, honor your mother and father. Um, which is a sticky one here in, in America, honestly. And so curious, just a f- couple, first question would be, you, got, you mentioned even that you were mis- both missionaries' kids. How did growing up in a missionary's home, either w- what drawbacks were there and or what things did it really aid to set you up uh, to go and be missionaries?
2: I think for me personally, it just gave me a broader world view. I was able to know that life is outside of, you know, one town or one state or one country. But there's a world out there, and they need Jesus. And also, the second thing would be that my parents were just examples of followers of Jesus. And that wasn't just what they were doing ministry-wise, but that was in the home, um, how they lived their lives. And that was, to me, the biggest example um, how to be a how to be a follower of jesus but also when we told our parents um that what we god was asking us to do going overseas as missionaries they both said oh that that's great that's gonna be really hard you know and it was hard it's hard it's hard to leave your family it's really hard but they both said um you doing what god wants you to do and following him is how you how we know that you're doing what god wants you to and that's what's most important nothing else matters awesome yeah Uh,
1: likewise like laurie was saying when we first went we we asked them to pray with us is this what the lord wants us to do is this the lord's next step of obedience for us we didn't want to just to go into missions because we were born overseas somewhere if we had done that and done it out of our own uh energy or own desire that would have been disobedience But we prayed and asked our parents to pray and other uh, believers to pray with us. Is this what the Lord wants? And if yes, then Lord, send us. We're willing. And we did that, and he confirmed that that's what he wanted us to do. And it it was difficult. It is difficult. Um, Every step of obedience has a cost, and cost looks different in different places. And I think obedience isn't just... um, Proximity, honoring your mother and father, isn't just about living geographically close to them. What, how can I honor my mother, my father, Nevin and Barbara? Is by following God's will. And that's a relationship with Christ. Yeah. I know that they are honored, that I honor them
0: when I follow sure.
1: the, what God wants us to do. Sure.
0: Um, final question for you. You guys, the, the gift that you have is you've seen multiple places in the world um, where many in this room have seen eastern Lancaster County or Lancaster County or maybe Pennsylvania or maybe northeast regions of, of the United States. One of the things that we see here, and we're gonna, I'm going to talk about this in my message, is a lot of times in our Western culture, um, positions of authority are not, um, respect needs to be earned. So just because someone has a position of authority, that doesn't mean they're automatically honored. Uh, What do you guys see in Africa uh, and as you travel and move around even in the United States? And what differences have you observed in culture of how authority, uh, respect for, and honoring is handled?
1: Yeah. um, In in an African context, um, respect, honor, authority is given to those who have lived many years. Um, so when a parent grows elderly, they aren't sent off. They are incorporated into the home and they continue caring for them until they, they pass away. In the village setting, those that are honored and respected are the, the elders, meaning those who are have lived many, many years. Not just because they're a certain family or they've earned this degree or plant this many crops in the field, um, where in the Western, it is about what you've achieved, what position has been given to you. Um, that's where the authority uh, often comes from. So it's a, it's a different view on, on where it comes from, from, who has the authority. And it, it's a collective us in an African context. It's collectively, this is, these are not my positions. My salary isn't my own. I share it with my family. If my sister, my aunt, my uncle, my brother, my mother, my um, uh, second cousin needs assistance, we are in this together. And I don't have authority over my own resources.
0: Um, hmm. Well, how can I pray for you guys? I want to I pray for you here now. Is there any, I mean, any prayer requests that you'd immediately share with us and I can pray for you this morning?
2: Uh, You could just pray for us. We're going to a new country when we go back. We're going to Kenya. Uh, Rod is going to be doing a new role, doing training and leadership development for all of Africa, the missionaries. And we're going to be dorm parents at a missionary boarding school. So both new roles for both of us, new country, new language, everything. So just that would be a big prayer request.
0: And you guys head back. Day after Christmas. Day after Christmas. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much. Um, will you guys be hanging around here for people to meet you after the service? Um, so again, if you guys would like to meet Rod and uh, Lori, uh, please do that. Let me pray for you now. And again, thanks for sharing this morning. God, thanks so much uh, for uh, Rod and Lori. Appreciate their, um, <clears throat> their humility, their desire to serve you, their desire to know you and you alone and, and to reach people that are far from you. Uh, far from you in ways that we don't understand at times here in America. Far from you because they don't have access to the message of you and your son, Jesus Christ, in their language. Or they, um, God, I just bless them in their ministry. Bless African Inland Mission as they uh, seek to reach uh, the unreached people groups of Africa and walk with the poor and the hurting and um, a war-torn region, many, many parts of Africa and. God, would you bless their ministry. God, as they step towards Kenya, uh, learn a new language, a new ministry context, um, God, help that move quickly, help accelerate that learning, and um, God, continue to help them bear fruit and much fruit in their own lives and and in their ministry. God, would you continue to bless them, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. There you see the Ten Commandments kind of come across the screen. We're going to dive into the fifth of those ten this morning. Before I that, I just want to do a couple other, just mention a couple other things. You'll see the flowers on the stage this morning. That there uh, left here in honor and memory of Morris Souter. Uh, Morris Souter is but part of Bethany since since the beginning days, and he passed away uh, this past week. And the service was here uh, on Friday, and again those flowers were left kind of in his honor and his memory. Continue to pray for Arlene, uh, his wife, uh, who is still living. Uh, continue to pray for her, obviously through a time of grief and a time of loss, as well as the rest of the uh, family. Second thing I want to mention is uh, just something that I just feel very compelled to share this morning. Uh, yesterday, uh, last, we had our last football game as uh, in our family. Our, our boys play football. I coach football. It's kind of our last game. And we decided to do something last night. We decided to go see a movie, kind of as a celebration, a football movie. It's a movie that uh, it's someone I graduated with in, in upstate New York, the school I went to their Word of Life. Uh, he's actually the director uh, of that movie, he and his brother. And I just, I don't do this a lot, but I want to strongly encourage you to go see that movie. Uh, The movie's Woodlawn, W-O-D-L-A-W-N. It is, and here's what I encourage you to do. Invite a friend who does not know Jesus to go along with you. I promise you it is uh, sometimes Christian movies I'll be very honest I'm not a big fan of them at times because they're they're B plus acting sometimes the the image the cinematography is weak the storyline suffers this was a solid A movie across the board phenomenal story captures the history of of segregation here back in the 70s is kind of where this is set and it brings the message of Jesus and the impact of Billy Graham into it and the message of Jesus is clearly, clearly, clearly presented on the screen multiple times throughout the movie. Uh, so again, well movie, it'll stir your heart. I think it'll um, bless you for going, but I think it provides a great opportunity uh, for you uh, to share Christ with friends and family. So again, I want to plug that, not just because a friend of mine made it, but it is a movie uh, worth seeing. Um, so anyway, with that said, this morning, here's where we're going to go. What I want to do, I want to start out. Uh, ask you to do something, participate with me here in, in, in an exercise. I want you to pretend for a minute that if, if my hunches are right and statistics are accurate, most of you in this room are petrified of standing on a stage like this with this microphone strapped in your head. Pu- fear of public speaking is one of the number one fears across the board. I continue to read this. And um, so, again, I don't fully understand it. Some, some ways I do, but I understand that it's a reality for many of you. So... Want to pretend for a minute, put yourself in a scenario if you were asked to come on stage on a morning like this with a room of, let's just say there are 350 people ages 8 to 88 okay, in the room. And you have the microphone strapped in your head and you have the opportunity to deliver one very clear message. And the goal of it is to say you're going to deliver one message that when the people apply that message, they are guaranteed success in their life, a good, long, healthy life. Okay, so you've got one shot at this. Now, let's just hype let's really have fun with this. Let's say you're sitting backstage and a little fairy comes along. A little fairy says, I'm going to sprinkle dust over this entire room. Okay, this is the dream. This is kind of one of my fantasies that this would happen one day. The dust is going to spread over the entire room. And here's the the result of this fairy dust. Every single person in that room is going to be engaged from the beginning of your message right to the end. Every single person in that room is going to be on the edge of their seat. And they're going to soak it in. And they're going to be so moved and so challenged to the point that when they leave, they're going to go live out what you've told them and challenge them to do. Okay, so that is an absolute guarantee. No matter how poorly you deliver the message, the fairy dust is going to do its work. Okay? Now, here's the question. You've got one shot at it. One message and one message only. Now, I'm going to take this off the table. It's not, yes, the message of Jesus, that's what most of you say. Yeah, if you're a Christian, that's, that's it, Adam. That's the message I'm going to proclaim, the message of Jesus Christ. Well, let's take that off the table. You can't do that. Okay, that one's just off the table. Any message aside from the gospel, you got one shot at it what would that message be? What would you stand on stage and talk about that would guarantee people's success? What I'd like you to do, I want you to do this, we didn't shake hands this morning the beginning because we're going to do it now. Turn and say hello to the people around you and then just take a couple minutes and say, hey, you know what I would talk, no right or wrong answers in this, okay? No right or wrong, uh, no right or wrong at all. So you just kick it around, meet the people around you, say hello and then just say, you know what? If I had the fairy and they sprinkled the dust, here's the message that I would deliver. So go ahead and take some time to do that. So now I can pray and go home, right? We're all good. You all have got your message squared away. You all know what you're going to do now here. Here, what matter? Let me share you mine again, not right or wrong. Uh, this is just one that I think, and this week after studying, this pressed into my heart all the more. Here's the one that I think I would share. Honor your father and your mother. You say, what? Out of all the things, Adam, that we could talk about, honor your father and mother? How about love? How about forgiveness? How about all this other stuff? I'd say this, and here it is, the fifth commandment. Honor your father, father and mother so that, this is the verse itself from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. It is the only commandment of the ten. The Apostle Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at those verses a little bit. Ephesians, it's the only commandment of the ten that is given with a promise. So it's saying, if you do this, something good is going to happen. I want you to honor your mother and father, and you're going to have a good life. It's going to go well for you in life. You say, wow, that's kind of cool. Now, we're going to unpack what it really means to honor. But the word, a little more depth. But here, right out of the gates, the, the baseline of it is, to honor means, in the Hebrew, it simply means to be heavy. You say, well, you know, I can do that. <laughs> I'm, calling, I'm calling my mom and dad, and we're calling to Shady every day for the next month. We're going to get them heavy, right? Now, we laugh at that, but the reality is you guys know what that means, right? It means to carry weight. So if I'm going to honor my mother and father, what it means is I'm going to allow them to carry weight in my life. I'm going to allow their, what they say and who they are to, to press in with some level of weight. There's a verse in the New Testament, 1 Timothy 5, verse 1. This is an older pastor, Paul, talking to a younger pastor and saying, here, if you, when you interact with people that are older than you, because Timothy at this time is in his 30s. And he's shepherding and pastoring people that are obviously much older than him. And he says, when you've got to go to them and confront them, here's how you do it. Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him. So there's this, this go and appeal respectfully as you would to your own father. We kind of get what it means. I think most of us intuitively understand what it means when we allow our parents to carry weight in our lives. We talk to them differently. We appeal to them. We don't just go and, and blow off. Okay, so it means to carry weight. Now, this, this commandment is actually a big deal. Exodus chapter 21. So this is one chapter after the Ten Commandments. Look at this one. Anyone who dishonors father or mother must what? Say it with me. Put to death. You think, are you kidding me? We have a lot of dead people right now in this room. Let's be candid. Thinking, really? So this commandment, it comes with a promise of successful life, but it carries unbelievable weight. And it pushes in very heavily. Now, another one, Leviticus chapter 19, verses 2 and 4. Look at how the sandwich is right in between something here. It says, give the following instructions of the entire community of Israel. You must be holy because the Lord your God is holy, So it says, listen, here God is, and he's holy. Now that slips in. Each of you must show great respect for your mother and father, and you must always observe the Sabbath day of rest. I am the Lord, your God. So it's like, God is holy, be holy. Honor your father and mother, honor the Sabbath. And it wraps, continues. Do not put your trust in idols or make metal images of gods for yourselves. I am the Lord, your God. So sandwiched right in between this God, God. Honor parents. Love God, love God, honor parents. Right in between it. This, is, this commandment is a big deal to God. It's a huge deal. In fact, I would say this. You are called to honor and respect your parents, not because of their character, but because of their position. This is a, let me say this again, because this, as you heard just in this interview, this isn't natural to our culture here in, a, in the Western world. You are called to honor your mother and father, not because of their character, not because they're worthy of honor, but because of the position that they hold in your life. God chose them to give you life. God picked them, for whatever reason, to birth you. Or maybe for some of you in the context of this room, God chose them to adopt you into the family. Now, there's a great book um, that I would recommend if you wrestle with this at any level and you may maybe been hurt by your parents. It's a book that my mom actually recommended to me of uh, maybe two years ago and I picked up and read it. Uh, Leslie Leland Fields and Dr. Jill Hubbard, the book is Forgiving Our Fathers and Mothers. And they comment on this passage in Leviticus. And here's what they say. This is in their book. They, this is commentary on that Leviticus passage. It says, even when our parents don't feel worthy of our honor and respect, God is worthy of our honor and respect. And he's tied the two together himself as the sovereign creator god and our parents as our divinely chosen human creators again this is going to press in with some weight there's a problem though there's a problem and i want to raise the issue here this this command is a bit problematic for us the first reason is the culture in which we live in The culture in which we live in, here's how the culture generally that we live in, see, test me on this, that we live in generally operates this way with authority. I won't respect you simply because of your position. I'll respect you after you earn it from me. Generally how our culture operates, whether we're talking about the president of the United States, George Bush was just maligned and treated like dirt. I'm aghast at times at how the president of the United States get treated and handled by Christians and non alike. He's the president of the United States, the most powerful nation in the world. And we treat him like he's a peon. I mean, we just trash him. Why? Well, because we don't agree with his policies and the way he does stuff. Our coaches, our teachers, our parents, we live in a world where we second guess leaders up. one. Now, I understand leaders have done some things over the years. They've abused their power. And we're skeptical of that in the West. And we're guarded, but understand when we begin to hear this, honor your father and mother, it's coming to us through cultural lenses of, ah, if they earn it. And it's hard for us. Now, I'd say this. I want to talk to the kids in the room. I want to challenge you as children. When I say children, if you still live at home with mom and dad, some of you say, well, I'm 25 and I still do that. I'd still call you a kid. Just for what it's worth. (laughs) Till you move out on your own and you're fully able to sustain, I'd say, yeah, you know what? You're still in that kid category. I challenge you, be careful with how you speak to your parents. They're not your peers. Don't talk to them like your peers. And see, I think most of us get this reality. In fact, let me play a commercial for you. you know, I'm going to play this in just a minute. Here's why I'm going to play this commercial. It's, it's a commercial by AT&T. You've seen it. If you watch football right now, you've seen this commercial, but it kind of makes fun of our culture Picking on authority figures. But go ahead and watch this commercial and and we'll talk about it briefly. You guys caught that commercial on TV? No one likes an armchair quarterback, Ron. Now, when I see that, I chuckle. You know why we chuckle at that? Because we say, yeah, no one does. But most of us in this room are. I want to challenge something. So often when we are critical of a leader, we are critical because of our position. We, we view one kind of narrow, they've made a foolish decision and we see it all through this narrow funnel. And if that decision has really impacted me personally, that, that view gets even tighter and more restrained. You know what? It's a whole nother story. When you actually go sit in their shoes, sit in their seat for a while. And understand that a leader is looking at it from all kinds of angles, not just your narrow little focus. Moms and dads and presidents and teachers and coaches and on down the list. Listen, I want to push in on this. Too many of us in this room are armchair quarterbacks. Very critical of our authority figures. So, again, it's problematic when we get to this command because we're like, well, we don't live in a culture that just naturally honors. The second reason this command is very problematic for us is because i want to just tell a few stories. I'm going to change names. I'm not going to share names at all. I'm going to change some facts so none of you can, These are all people I've walked with. But as so I'm sharing them, I want you to think of people that you've walked with. Okay? Now, first one I want to share about is, 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 a, is a young lady who my heart just broke for as I began to walk with her. Absolutely broke. She began to tell her story to me, and she said, well, Adam, uh, here's kind of how my story went. When I was old enough to go to school, so, so now she's got to get a physical by the doctors to get into school. The doctor discovers some problems with parts of her body that are private. So the doctor begins to question and says, hey, what's going on here? And what's is, can, you, can we talk about this? And so she begins to talk about her mom's boyfriend who's living with them. To the doctor. So the doctor calls children and youth. Children and youth steps in and comes to the home. And the mom absolutely flat out denies it. So children and youth is like, well, we got a problem. Because it's clear she has been harmed and violated. There's no doubt about it. And she is saying that it's him. So basically, the mom says, well, sorry, I'm siding with the boyfriend. So the boyfriend wins out, and the mom turns her back on the daughter. That daughter has been in and out of and and felt rejection from that point on through her life. And to this day, struggles deeply with the different foster homes that she's been in and out of. And I sat and listened to her story. As I began to walk with her, I said, oh, my goodness. How do you honor a mom like that? Tell another story. A friend of mine, um, years back, was in, in school to be a pastor. And as he's in school to be pastor, he's got four kids at home in this model marriage, and he's a leader in his local church, and, and it, man, just things are going great. Well, then he begins to find out that there's an emotional affair happening. Well, then the emotional affair moves to a physical affair. Now it's full-blown divorce, and so all kinds of crazy things have happened. And, and how do you say to those four kids who are all elementary age, honor your mom? Another story I'll share with you, someone that I've walked with um, was adopted into uh, her home, She comes into her home as, as a baby into this home that in, in that particular read, in that particular area where they lived, it was a, it had a lot of Christian heritage to the home. Very active in their local church, but it's happening. They go to church and put the smile on it at home. When the doors are shut, there's physical abuse that this person still to this day has the results of on her body. That abuse continued till age 18, the physical abuse stopped, but then the verbal and all the 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 emotional manipulations continues. And so, if you're her and you're sitting here today and you're hearing honor my mother, or maybe maybe this one relates to more of you, and this is another story that I've walked with. This one I've walked with a lot. There's many of the, that would fit in this category. That would say, you know what? I had a good home. They were both there. They stayed together. They never got divorced. But you know what? I never sensed a lot of warmth between them, and I certainly never felt connected. I never was drawn in. Matter of fact, my dad was actually kind of passive, you might say. I've walked with many people in this, and the results of that with a real strong mom and a real passive father and and the carnage that kind of spills out from that over the years. And now now they're raising kids of their own, and they feel disconnected from their own parents. And I need to honor? How do I do that? We live in a culture today, number one, it doesn't like leadership and authority. Number two, we live in a culture that knows a lot about divorce, abuse, neglect, and lack of connection. So when you stand and you see the fifth commandment, honor your mother and father, (laughs) and you even hear it with so much emphasis, it says, if you don't, you should be put to death. I'm not advocating that we do that today, but I'm saying that's, you say, well, what do I do with that? What do I do with that? Well, I realize I've not got a lot of time left in this message, (laughs) And I realized as I studied this week, I'm actually going to, our elders help lay out our whole series. And I'm actually going to take to our elders as we plan out our coming messages. I'm going to say, I think we need to do a whole series on this subject. I really believe that. So I said, so what do I, as I studied this week, I'm like, so what do I do today? (laughs) How do I get into this stuff? Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my best to scratch open, open up some cans of worms, if you will. And I recognize that that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and give some guidance and places to hang hats. But my heart this morning is I'd like to start a conversation in your life, a conversation that hopefully you can continue with your, uh, maybe your life group leader, maybe a mentor or a Christian friend, or maybe even a Christian counselor or myself or Chris or one of our elders, or um, maybe your youth leader, if you're uh, attending here, maybe your. Maybe your children's small group leader. So I so want to kind of start the conversation this morning, some places to hang hats. And hopefully in the future, I'd like to do a whole series just on this subject. Because I just had pressed in on my heart. I just never really thought about it, to be honest, how big a deal this command is. So here's where I want to start. The big, the big picture, to kind of hang your hat on. I, here's what I think is behind this command. Learning to respect authority is one of the surest ways to a happy life. I really thought about this this week. And I said, what's really behind this command? I said, well, you know what I think it is? Every single one of us in this room is going to have a boss one day. Has a boss now. And what I've learned is I've coached football and I've, I've done different things in my own life. What I've learned is how you handle authority in your life will go a long way to determining whether you get the promotion, whether you get the starting position, whether you get the corner office, whether uh, how you handle authority Determines a lot about where you end up in life. I think that's what's really tied to this command. And where do we learn to handle our authorities well? Our home. So, if I can't learn to handle my authorities well in the home, I'm gonna struggle to handle my authorities well further in life. And then life isn't gonna go so well for me. So, I think that's what's the heart behind it. I think the other thing that's behind this is God is an authority, God's not someone who just bends to our wishes. He's someone who says, hey, I'm calling you to follow me. That's authority. Some of us don't like what he asks us to do or not to do. So where do I learn to respond to that authority? I believe also comes from how I handle my mom and my dad. So again, I think that's what's behind us. The first place where I'd encourage you to hang your hat is really understand the importance of this really rest. It's good for me to learn how to respond to authority, even when my authority is poor, because I promise you, if you haven't had the jerk of a boss yet, you will have him or her. Guaranteed. I, I ask So if your parent is a jerk, maybe bigger than a jerk, maybe you put words on there that you can't say here in church. Okay, so that's what your parent is. I promise you, as hard as that is, you will probably walk with some people in life where that's who they are. Now, how do you honor? Here's I'm going to give you just three things. First one is this. And again, I'm going to open up cans of worms here. I understand that, but I'm going to hopefully keep the discussion going. The first thing, to really honor your parents well, you have to be honest about your parents' impact in your life. I cannot state this enough. I think too many people, myself included, run from this understanding. We either attack our parents or we shove it off under the rug somewhere. Our fathers and mothers have the wonderful opportunity of being our very first relationship, which sets the stage for all other relating in life. Can I stress this enough? What you learn in your home is how to relate to people. Okay, and that sets the stage from there on out of how you're going to relate to people. So if I'm not just stopping and saying, okay, this is a big deal because my parents set the table for me. Now, maybe they said it very poorly. If I don't just step back and look at the impact that that's had on me, I'm going to continue to struggle in my relationships right on through life. So step back, open up the door. Maybe you're going to need some help to do it with a trusted friend or a counselor. But open up the door and begin to say, how has that really impacted me? Dan Allender, who's a theologian, author, he's worked with um, what he's really done in his ministry. He's worked with uh, people involved kind of walking through sexual trauma and abuse. Here's what he says. When we run from our stories, we are running running from our very selves, and we run at great risk. Our memories form from the very underpinning of our identities. The price of forgetting is a life of repetition, an insincere way of relating, and a loss of self. So he says, listen, as hard as it is, as much as I don't want to look at the impact and as much as I don't want to feel the loss and the heartache of what mom or dad did or did not do, he says, open the door up and walk back through it. You can't forgive what you've not named. Some of you walk around with this just dull pain that you've just numbed. Well, my mom and dad weren't that bad. Well, have you ever named what they did poorly? Because you can't really name it and move on from it. Or you can't really move on from it and forgive it until you've named it. So I'd say this, drive a stake in the ground that says, I am gonna cha- I'm going to see it. I'm going to change it so I don't repeat it. I'm going to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second part of this, I think it's important to know their story. Just ask your mom or dad, hey, um, tell me about your story. Because there's a good chance some of their hurt and pain towards you is rooted in their hurt and pain that's been to them. And I think when we begin to understand their story, we begin to walk with our parents with what I would call sympathy and both empathy, both of them. As I could begin to walk with my parents with sympathy and empathy, I begin to honor them. I had a friend of mine. I was sitting with lunch. Um, this was maybe a year ago. I'm just walking through. I had good parents, but I'm just beginning to see, you know, there's some things that they didn't do well. And I'm watching that repeat in my own home. And I'm beginning to wrestle with some of this. And here's his word. I'm going to read this friend of mine. Here's what he said to me. He said, Adam, Learning to see your father's frailty and sinfulness will give you a greater capacity to honor him. And I stopped and I said, well, wait a minute, say that again. So I pulled out my notes and I said, I want to write that down. So I'm going to read it again. It's written right off my, again, we were sitting up at Bella's having lunch actually is where it was. It says, learning to see my father's frailty and sinfulness will give me a greater capacity to honor him. Just look at it. Be honest with it. Acknowledge it, even where it's hurt you. Because if you don't really walk towards it, you're going to struggle with, to have empathy and sympathy towards it. And if you struggle to have empathy and sympathy towards him, you're ultimately going to struggle to honor him. Leslie Leland Fields and Hubbard in, in the book, Forgiving Your Mothers and Fathers, I'm to read this quote to you. And they say, but listen, as much as you want to look at their stories, don't excuse it either. Excusing your parents is not forgiving your parents. Don't patronize them by reading I'm sorry, don't patronize them by relieving them of their responsibility. If they are merely excused, there is no opportunity for them to acknowledge their their responsibility, to repent, to seek forgiveness, to move away from the habit and wrongs of the past to another kind of living and relating to people. So step into it. Be honest about your parents' impact, both in your life and their life, I think is the first way to really honor them. And if I want to give another piece of this, God isn't limited. God is not limited by the limits of your parents or home. Cannot stress that enough. So don't shy away from this. Don't run from it. Don't stick your tail and turn. God isn't limited by the limits of your parents and home. Be honest about the impact. Second thing I'd say is this. You've got to obey them where you can. Now, you say, well, what do you mean by where you can? Because at times, your parents may ask you to do things that dishonor God or are illegal or immoral. Okay, here's some of the verses. Ephesians chapter 6. This is one I mentioned earlier. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Continuing First Timothy or Second Timothy chapter three. Uh, this is again writing to a young pastor saying, "In the coming days, before Jesus comes back, this is what the, the days are going to look like." Now listen to the opening discussion on this. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money, they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. So here he is, writing many years ago, roughly two thousand years ago, describing our day and age today, and says, "Listen, there's going to be people disobedient to their parents. So again, that's not honoring. So obey your parents." I want to push in on this a little bit. Some of you say, "Well, obey them where you can." Some of you, I think, check this one off a little too fast. I know someone very well who, again, had a had a horrendous home, just a terrible home. Her mom did not—I would not say—love Jesus and was not in a close relationship. Uh, she went on to get engaged. And her mom said to her, I don't like him. He's not good for you. Now, most of us in this room, in our Western thinking say, yeah, God told me to marry. So I'm going to go and marry. My mom has lost her opportunity to really speak into my life because of the abuse and neglect and the horrible way she's lived. She doesn't love Jesus. That person went on to have a broken engagement with that person and began to see the reality of what her mom actually said. So I think too often we just check off, well, my parents are a jerk. My parent doesn't love Jesus. My parents treated me poorly. I don't need to obey them. So I'm not just talking about the absolute black and whites of Scripture. I'm saying when your parents speak it, it carries some weight. Take some time to at least think about it. Process it, even with a trusted friend. Because God's placed them in your life for a reason. And the final thing I'll say, if you turn with me in this one, to Mark chapter 7. It's page 836, and the Bible's there in front of you. Now, here's what I wrestled with as I looked at uh, how to honor. The scriptures don't give a lot of detail on how to honor mom and dad. It just, but this one gives about, as, as I've looked throughout the scriptures this week, the closest I could find to really saying this is what it is. Okay, we saw some and kind of give some a little information. Now, here's what's going on here in Mark chapter 7. Let me set the stage for you. So religious leaders come to Jesus, and they observe his disciples, those who are following, his buddies, his guys that are close to him. They observe them just eating and not obeying the tradition of washing hands. Now, it's not for hygiene reasons. This is, the word is actually baptizo, the same word we have for baptize. So it's this religious ceremony of dipping your hands in water, baptizoing your hands before you eat so that you don't contaminate the food so the food is holy going into your mouth. That's what, in essence, the tradition. So the Jewish law at that time was before every single meal, you've got to go and ceremonially clean your hands, not for hygiene, but just to state before God, I'm, I'm holy, I'm putting holy things into my body. Now, so they come and say, well, we've noticed your disciples don't do this, Jesus. Shame on them. Clearly, you're not a man of God or else they would be doing this. And look at what Jesus says, verse 9. He said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own traditions. The traditions of washing hands is not stated clearly as God's law in scripture, but you guys have kind of added this. For instance, he's going to say, here's the law that you violate. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God, honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be what? There it is again. This is a big deal. So you guys, you guys wash your hands, but you don't take care of mom and dad. Verse 11, but you say, it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you. For I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. Some of you have the word Corbin there in your translation. And I'll mention that in a minute because that's what the, actually should be in there. Verse 12, in this way, you let them disregard their needy parents, and so you canceled the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. What a Corbin is, here's what a Corbin is. And, and that thing is, I was looking this week and studying this. A Corbin is simply, it's a Greek word that they didn't know how to translate into English. So many of your translations just carry the word. It's kind of like taco. It's a, it's a Spanish word that we don't know what the English equivalent is, so we just bring it into our English. Taco. Taco is an actually Spanish word, right? Didn't know that? that Go to Taco Bell this afternoon. You're speaking Spanish. So here's the deal. So... Corbin is a Greek word that they don't know how to translate. Well, here's what a Corbin is. A Corbin is, it's kind of like a building campaign or it it went to physical property. So it's kind of like a church and we're going to build a $30 million building. We have this big campaign. So we're going to do this faith pledge. That's what a Corbin is. So we would like, okay, so you you usually have weeks and weeks of messages and and the pastor casting this beautiful vision. And they say, now we'd like you to commit to giving X amount of money over the next five years. So we know what we can count on And what we etc. That's kind of what a Corbin is now Josephus the first century historian actually writes that that money can be used not only for the temple and the building of the temple but it can also be used for the physical building of aqueducts and other other type anything physical but you're basically saying okay. Tanya and I are sitting here. We're hearing this big campaign. You know what? We look at our budget. We say, you know what? I think over the next five years, we can give $10,000. So we'd fill out the card. We'd pledge it, send it into the church and say, okay, 10 grand. That's what you can count on on the Nagel family for. Now, it's not commanded in scripture. Is it an okay thing to do? I, I don't have a problem with it. But here's what's happening with the Corbin. What's happening then is, okay, so if Adam and Tanya say, okay, we're pledging. It's, so we aren't talking about the tithes and offerings, giving God 10%. That's not what this passage is talking about. It's simply saying that above and beyond that I'm giving a faith commitment to. So let's just say, in the, so Adam and Tanya, we sit in, the, sit in the service, we're moved by God, we sign the pledge, we give it to the elders, and they're like, yeah, all right, Adam and Tanya, we can count on that amount of money. Now, in a year, our parents end up needing financial help. Sorry, mom and dad. We would, but we have $10,000 committed to this cool building that we're going to be building at church. So we can't give you that money. That's what's being talked about here. So what Jesus is going after, here's the third thing I say, to honor your parents is care for their physical needs. If you're not caring for your parents' physical needs, I would say you're not honoring them. And then also you notice in the passage, it says, speak respectfully. Both of them are listed there. Now, this one gets tough. This is one where I probably open up a huge can of worms. So some of you are going, no, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> does that mean I got to bring him in my home and not the nursing home? Does that mean, what does that really mean? Okay, and I challenge you to let the weight of it set in. If the weight, if it's not weighty in your heart, you're probably not wrestling with it appropriately is what I would say. But care for their needs. I'd also say this. Just because you're caring for their needs doesn't mean you're honoring them either. I've seen people care for needs but be an absolute jerk through the process. Now, a couple of things before we wrap up. Here's what honoring does not mean. It does not mean that your parents can rage at you. Okay, if you have an alcoholic mom or a dad, if you're at home and they're beating on you, you can call 911 and honor them greatly. In fact, you need to call 911. Talk to a, a, a a school guidance counselor, talk to a pastor, your youth leader, call them. You can honor them and do that. Honoring them does not mean that you need to have certain positive emotions. Just because you honor your mom and dad doesn't mean suddenly you're going to feel warm and fuzzy or you're going to feel close to them or you're even going to like them or you're going to hang out all the time. If they've hurt you physically and abandoned and neglected you, Okay, there's a lot to work through with that. It doesn't mean you guys are just suddenly going to be like, oh, yes, dad, I feel so good about you. No. Honoring them does not mean you're going to come to that place. Again, that's where if you've been in that position, I'd encourage you to walk with someone who can really help you unpack that. Honoring them does not mean that you'll trust them. You may never trust them again as long as you live. The hurt and the pain may be too deep. But here's the deal. When you honor them, you're going to heal that hurt and the pain. Hurt and pain take their toll. And only when a person chooses God above all else and forgives the sins of the father is there a chance for something better than brokenness. If you don't learn to, in the face of that pain to still honor, you're going to carry that pain forward into your future marriage, future relationship with your children, into your future relationship with your boss and other people. So I'd say, listen, push into it and walk through it. Now, here's where I want to close. I want to close with this. I want to speak to the parents in the room. And I, When I say parent, I mean, even if you've got kids at home or you're, your kids are off raising their own kids and they're giving you grandkids now. Do not, please, 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 do not send a copy of this message to your kids. <laughs> now, you say, why does he have to say that? Well, because it happens quite regularly, believe it or not. If you're sitting here and you're saying, oh my goodness, my daughter needs to hear this. Okay, here's my, here's my encouragement. Don't send them books. Don't send them messages like this. Don't what all that. Here's what I'd encourage you to do. If you feel like you're in a role where your kids are not honoring you, whether they're married and giving you grandkids or whether they're still living at home. Here's my challenge to you. Learn to honor them. Model what you want. Now, it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. The scriptures say they need to do it. Respect them. Honor them. Second thing I'd say to you is this. Push in and examine the idols of your heart. Go back to the second commandment this week and read it. I don't have time to get into it now, but go back and read the second commandment. To have no other idols... In that commandment, there is a a statement. And when you have idols on your heart and you're worshiping something other than the living God, it says the sins that you're committing are going to pass on to the third and the fourth generation. But when you worship and love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and God is the most natural love in your heart and your life. Your kids know it. Your kids see it. And your kids understand it. And then it says that lineage will go on for a thousand generations. Now, if a generation is roughly 20 years, that's 20,000 years. So here's the upside of this. Cruddy parenting is going to last three to four generations. That's 100 to 120 years. Parenting that says, I love God with everything in me. (laughs) That's going to go on for 20,000 years. What a legacy. And that's what most of us in this room, I think, really want to leave, right? So I want to speak to the parents. Don't run off and demand the honor. Search your own heart and ask, where are the idols in my heart? What is it that I'm loving more than Jesus? Do the work there. And in the process of doing that work, learn to honor your children. And I think, I really believe in time, it'll come around. I really, really do believe that. So again, let me close with this. Learning to respect authority is one of the surest ways, in my opinion. (laughs) So I studied this week to a happy life. And you learn it in your home. So push in. Wrestle with, what does it look like to honor my mother and my father? God, thank you so much for Jesus. Uh, we love you. We worship you. Uh, or it's our prayer that everyone in this room does. Those that don't, God, I pray that they would be challenged. They would be drawn to you. you would. They would hear you speaking to them. God, they would turn and repent and walk towards you, knowing that they're going to find grace and hope and healing and life. God, I pray right now, I just want to give a very short prayer. It is a very just got to cry out to you in this room. I know that there are, there is unbelievable hurt and pain in the context of relationships with mom or dad. Unbelievable carnage that this one causes. So God, would you give us grace as people are sitting here listening to this and knowing they need to step in and do something with it, but they're not quite sure how. God, would you give them the the opportunity to walk with a friend or someone in their life? God, I just pray that someone shows up in their life that with beauty and grace can walk them through the heartache and the pain of what it means to honor a mother and a father where there's been hurt and abandonment. So God, we love you. We thank you. We trust you for that. Um, God, help us to honor our mothers and fathers well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.